Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Learning with Bell Vista Studios. I am super excited today because we have John Hinchliffe here. John Hinchliffe inspires me a lot. He, I would say, is the most helpful guy in L&D. He is always offering his support to others, putting amazing things out on social media. He's got so many achievements, and I just want to like share with you what they are because it is so impressive. He won the Learning Professional of the Year Silver Award for 2020, which is incredible. He established the L&D Global Zoom Meetup Society, which is really cool. Go and check it out if you want to meet other people in the industry and network. Um, he started One Tip Wednesday, which was super cool and went viral on LinkedIn. So that's where people share their tips. So look up the hashtag on LinkedIn and find out more around instructional design and learn through that. That was epic. And he's also mentored numerous instructional designers in the industry. So we we're just talking before this video, John can't even think of how many people he's mentored now. It's just so big. Um, and he's definitely helped me when I was over in London. He was a big help for me and showed me a lot of things. So super, super grateful for your time today, John. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Appreciate you asking me to be here. Awesome. So what we're going to do today is we have frequently asked questions from you, our community. So these are the questions that re we receive quite often around instructional design and whether you're a beginner instructional designer, whether you're an intermediate instructional designer, we know that this is going to add value to you because these are the questions that do come up. And what we wanted to do with this video is I'm going to be the mentee and I'm going to be asking these questions on your behalf and John's going to be providing his valuable wisdom and knowledge. So are you ready, John? Yep, sure thing. Cool. So the first question is, John, how do I know if I'm suited to the role of an instructional designer? What characteristics would I need? That's a good one. I think you enjoy providing knowledge. So you love providing a solution to a problem. I think that's kind of the first one. Curiosity is another one but i think also if you have an interest in learning so whether that is personally you learning or providing you know learning to others so it's almost like being a mini mentor you know those are kind of the characteristics i think you know from early careers that i've seen you know it's people who have come from either face-to-face -face training or teachers those kinds of things whereby they actually have that kind of interest in learning so providing that knowledge through a knowledge resource and then looking at the kind of finer details of that. So yes, yeah, so I think it's curiosity, loving to provide knowledge, but also wanting to help others. I think that's kind of one of the other characteristics. Love it. Totally agree. Do you think that instructional designers need a formal qualification? So that's part one of the question. Part two is where should they go to learn if not? Okay. So and it would be great to understand from people's experiences, from all the things that I've seen, from all the people that I've spoken to, the formal qualifications have not benefited people as much as actually being in the position and getting that experience. Obviously, there are qualifications out there and some countries actually do specify that you need something like, let's say, for example, a CIPD, you know, some organizations within those particular countries. I previously come from the United Arab Emirates and so qualifications are a key thing. But for the vast majority of jobs, it's very much about what can you do. So it also comes down to the meritocracy. So how good are you at what you 
do? How good have you been? What can you produce? So for me, a formal qualification, I'm not formally qualified in instructional design. I'm self-taught. So for me personally, I would go towards the no. The second part of that question, where should you go? So start to look at groups. So whether this is ATD, CIPD, e-learning network, also looking at hashtags on LinkedIn, such as hashtag instructional design, instructional designers, learning and development, and look at who is gaining a lot of interest, okay? Look how you can be inspired by them. So people such as Kath Ellis, who is incredible, and for me is the level when it comes to instructional design. Look at her website. Look at what she talks about. Look at what free resources are out there at the moment. Look at what the conversations are now. Because instructional design 10 years ago when I started, it feels like a very different beast now. And so it's very much looking at what are the requirements within the world now. So what are people looking for? How can you get inspiration from those individuals? And how can you start to also cut your teeth in those? Maybe it's even you look at doing charity work. So you do work for, let's say, for example, Learn Appeal, which is a great charity, which has instructional designers create courses for individuals in third world countries who are not able to actually get that education otherwise. So you're starting to gain your experience. You're starting to see some good in the world. You're starting to get some karma. And it's just building those skills. So really learning those skills, honing those skills, and actually having a portfolio of items to really be critiqued as well. I think that's another thing. You have to be open. You have to be self-aware. And you have to be willing to take some shots. Because, you know, I can admit the early stuff that I created, if I was to look at it now, I would absolutely slap the taste out of my mouth. <laughs> it was terrible. But you hone your craft, you start to become better and better. Yeah. And so it's really about that. So yeah, that's my thoughts on it. Love it. Very cool. It is like a process, isn't it? And I feel like you need to enjoy the process. It's like what Gary Vaynerchuk says, if you don't enjoy the process of improving and getting better, then you probably need to try something else. So I really like that not being hard on yourself and just having your intent to be to get better and better each day. And you and I would both know, as you said, we're so, what we create now is so different to what we were creating two or three years ago. So Absolutely. And you also have to understand that you're constantly going to evolve into different areas. Hmm. You're not just going to think about, I'm going to create one hour solutions. Yeah. You're going to start along the way. You're going to start looking at experience design. You might also flirt with the idea of, Marketing. Marketing is starting to become one of the skills that we're seeing more and more prominent within instructional design and development. And how can you utilize that and look at the whole learning experience? So yeah, there's many evolutions. Very cool. What does a day in the life of an instructional designer look like? It's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> pretty cool. So, it's very much looking at what are you wanting to create? So kind of almost going through, if you went for an expanded form of that ADDI process, that analysis, design, development, implementation, evaluation. So analysis. So what do you want to create? Who do you want to create it for? Look at action mapping by Kathy Moore. Look at learning personas, which you guys at Belviso have been so great in identifying and really giving insight into that. 
what are you wanting to create and why what is the purpose of it mm-hmm. where are you going to get your information from do you need to talk to subject matter experts you know how are you going to talk to subject matter experts articulate created a great guide to talking to subject matter experts completely free go check it out then we talk about design design is not just how it looks it's the user experience it's the user interface of what you're going to be utilizing so it is how is a user going to experience your learning is it an answer to a question is it training at the point of need is it that it is a mandatory course? How do you make that entertaining? But also, how do you ensure in the long run people remember the information? Because the fact is we're fallible, we forget. So how are you going to be able to provide resources for people so that they can remember the information that you have provided to them? Let's say, for example, in the health and safety course, six months down the line, when they need to actually utilize it. Mm. So how do you do that? Also, you're looking at how does it visually look? How is it accessible? How does it not create cognitive overload? So mm-hmm. how do you have a nice, clean design? Development, what are you creating in it? Is it video? Is it animated video? Is it the use an authoring tool? When we talk about authoring tools, we're not just in the realms of, is it storyline? Is it Captivate? Look way outside that. There is Elucidat. There's Evolved. This is easy. There's all these different ones that you can utilize and it's depending on what is right for your needs. So are you mobile first or do you know that your learners are gonna have to take this on their desktops? Becomes a different conversation for you. Implementation. Okay, now we're in where does it sit? You know, so you're thinking about, is it a learning management system? Is it an LXP? Is it that you don't have either of those and you have to have it hosted on the web? Is it that you're really, really cheap at the moment and you do user-generated content through MS Teams? It's what do you have? What is somebody going to be able to pull and how are they going to be able to get that as easy as possible? Finally, we're through to evaluation. Evaluation is not just assessments. So you have your formative, you have your summative. Formative, those are your small knowledge checks during your learning. Summative is right at the end. Usually when we're thinking health and safety, you have 80 over 100. The worrying thing is, what about that 20% that you don't know? How are you going to get that in the future? So how are you going to be able to provide for people so that they can get that information in the future? But also evaluation of what you've done. Look at things such as the V model by the ROI Institute Canada. So you have very much it's, action mapping at the beginning, Kirkpatrick at the end, in order to actually see what did you want to be able to obtain and have you actually been able to obtain that through your processes. So whilst you're actually creating a day of an instructional designer, having all those things in your head. That's really cool. I love that. I feel like you've gone through the process that we need to follow and often people can think like you just create learning, but there's so much behind it. Like you do have to do that analysis and you need to have theory, look at the learning models, figure out what you're going to develop it in. There's so much to it. But I think that's what's amazing about our roles. Like we have so much variety. We're not just doing the one thing all the time. I feel like there are so many different elements and tasks associated with instructional design from like writing to graphic design to learning theory. It's very cool. Awesome. So what skills should I develop to become a great instructional designer? So I think 
when we talk about instructional designer, traditionally instructional designer was the process of taking information and making it into learning. Mm -hmm. So just in terms of the written content, I think the real realization at the moment is that you have to be able to develop that as well. That's the expectation. Instructional designers are becoming supermarkets. Why do supermarkets do so well when there are little stores? Because everything was under one roof and it was more cost effective for the customer. Mm. We're supermarkets. So I think you really have to understand how, I would say a little bit of neuroscience. So how do we learn? So not just thinking that you can take a massive slab of text, put it online, that is learning and it's going to be effective. I think that's another thing. You have to look at things. Are they learning? Would I learn from them? Is it effective? Yeah. yeah that's a big one. I think marketing as well. So if you look at Bianca Bauman has created a little black book of uh, marketing in L&D. Oh. Completely free. She's a rock star. But starting to think about how do you actually market your learning? We are in the business of marketing information. So how do you do that as a process? I think also exposing yourself to as much good e-learning as possible. So looking at what has won awards, why is it won awards, but also looking at who are the really good practitioners at the moment. I think you're also going to have to specialize in an authoring tool. You know, if it is just one, looking at what meets your needs and also what meets your price point. If you are an individual on your own, it can be tricky. If you're an organization, you, know, you have more flexibility. I think the Articulate 360 suite offers a great range. Obviously, you've got Storyline in there. You've got Rise in there. You've also got the review tool. So it's nice and flexible. But I am encouraging more and more people to have an exploration of what is taking place. I mean, Elucidat is a really great tool. You know, it provides a lot of flexibility. It's great cloud, mobile first. You know, it really works an absolute treat. Is easy. Ironically, the name says it. It's easy. It's an um, incredibly easy cloud uh, responsive tool. Yeah. And so it's really understanding what is going to be right for you, what's going to be right for your needs. So having those specialities, I think it is just looking at learning as an experience. I would say really kind of look at the stuff that Lauren Els Hoffman is talking about with regards to learning experience design and just really taking that on board and outlining how can you integrate that. Love it. Very cool. Everything you just said, because I feel like there's a lot of valuable resources, programs. I'm going to put it into the description below. So anyone listening who wants to check any of those out, they're going to be in the resources description. Okay, John, if I was going for an interview for an instructional designer role, what would the interviewer want to hear me say? They do not want you to talk about hour long click next courses. Love it. <laughs> Agreed. Now, and here's another thing. It also depends on who your interviewer is. Mm. So I have a very different tact to interviews that I've been to. So with me, I don't do the tell me about a time when. I'm more about you as an individual. What can you produce? What's your methodology? So be able to talk about what your process is. So if we're talking about Addy, so that spiel I gave, yeah. What is that to you? What is your process? How do you create? How do you deal with subject matter experts? Also, talk about where things haven't gotten right and what you would do better. Yeah. 
That's a biggie. Things that they're going to want to hear. I think depending on them as an organization, I would do research. Some want to hear about next level. They want to hear resources, not courses. You know, and you can check out on the Learning and Development podcast, Adam Harwood did an incredible talk with David James about resources, not courses. So actually giving real insight into what does that mean? I think it's you being able to offer your perspective as to what solutions you would bring into play and also mm. the actual value that it bring. So I, I remember back in my career, they would tell me, you know, what would you create? Why, why would you do this for a higher stakeholders? And I would talk about graphics and themes and storytelling, which is nice. <laughs> but now you really have to talk about how is there going to be ROI? Why are we helping people? How are people forgetting? What is this going to mean in terms of actual tangible results? Mm. So what is going to be the ROI? I think that is one of the big ones is ROI. That is a conversation now that previously wasn't happening in interviews, but now it seems to be one of the biggest questions of how have you provided ROI? How have you recorded ROI? Yeah. Do you have a process for that? Well, very much for me, it's looking at <clears throat> taking into account what different jobs I've previously done. So let's say, for example, in academia, how many students have we positively affected? What have we seen in terms of score changes? Mm, okay. So what feedback have we been receiving? So what are the metrics that you can actually have a look at? If you're in, let's say, for example, a factory, what was the purpose of your course? Has it affected those metrics? What are those metrics and what happened? Yeah, cool. So just being specific around the changes that you've seen, getting feedback. I think that's a really good one, getting feedback from your learners. And if you work for clients, getting feedback for them from them as well so that you can reference that in interviews. Yeah, very cool. Okay, should you create, should I, sorry, as a mentee, create a portfolio? And if so, what advice do you have? So... 100% you should create a portfolio. So I liken it to this. If you were going for an interview, okay, as a wedding singer, would somebody hire you without hearing you sing? <laughs> no. Probably not. <laughs> Probably wouldn't yeah. be a great idea. Exactly. This is the thing. At the moment, we are in quite a lot of competition. Mm. So the more information that you're able to provide and actually show about what you can do, the look, the feel of what you can actually create is incredibly important. In terms of what to create, Devlin Peck has some great resources around what to create. Tim Slade as well. For me, it's very much about how can you provide an insight into your process, but also actually work in examples. Oh, let's say, for example, a mandatory course. So a compulsory course such as health and safety, just a short five to 10 minute example showing how would you present that information? What would be your thinking around that? What would be the experience from a learner? Mm. Also, if you can create a course, and I actually reference, so the learning conference, which you guys recently put on, and I was fortunate enough to speak at, had the show. Mm. And so take inspiration from that, actually creating working examples from that. Yeah, cool. So that you can show that versatility. But also one that I like to put in there is do something that you also enjoy about. 
So if you have a passion for CrossFit, mm. insight course into that. So you are showing that, yes, I can create across a versatile range, but also I'm giving you a little insight into me. And you never know, you might resonate with somebody and they might go, I love that too. And it's a conversation. Yeah, very cool. I like that because I feel sometimes people, if they don't have experience and they're going for an instructional designer role for the first time, they think I don't have anything to show, but like what you said, like you can just create something that you're passionate about and figure out what your process is, choose a topic that you're passionate about and make something really epic to show people. And that can be your portfolio piece, which is really cool. Exactly. Nice. Okay. I think I might know what you're going to say to this one, but I'm going to ask you anyway, <laughs> what learning strategy or model should I know and why? So for me, I'm very much focused on Addy. Yeah, I thought it would be. Addy, Addy has served me very well throughout over a decade. Um, obviously, there is Sam as well. I think you can have the basic model. So Addy is a basic model. But then you really start to incorporate all the different elements that are out there in the world and how things evolve, how things change, and really make it your own. You know, So yeah. analysis. Analysis could be... You know, at its most basic function, it's a training needs analysis. Mm. It's only through exploring, seeing what works for people, gaining insight, listening to podcasts, watching webinars to really understand how do I develop that into my own. So that's where, you know, we were talking action mapping, learner personas, you know, also thinking their human centric design. Yeah. You know, really thinking about what do they need? Yeah. Then in terms of design, you know, you're starting to build up, build up, build up. So it's taken it into its different evolutions. So for me personally, Addy, have that as your base and then expand it into the different layers and find out what you're really good at. And also, if you don't comprehend something, so if it doesn't really click, reach out to people. So the thing is, and I found this through creating the L&D Globals in Meetup, people are very willing to talk. We're a wonderful industry. And we like to provide and help each other. So if you need a helping hand, reach out to people. You know, ask them, what do you do for design? What do you develop in? What's your process? You know, it's interesting times. So uh, talk to each other. Very cool. I'm going to put your L&D Global Zoom Meetup link in cool. the description. So if anyone would like to connect with other instructional designers and hang out with John, check out the description below. And it is amazing because it, like you said, it's an opportunity to ask questions. If you've got questions personal, like personalized for you, you can speak to other people in the industry and get, learn from their experience and knowledge. So I think that's really cool. Um, okay. What tools or web pages should I download and bookmark as an instructional designer? Oh, I feel like this could be a long list. <laughs> uh, I think thankfully a long list got very much shortened so tracy oh, Parrish, okay tracy parish did an incredible curated list of pretty much all the resources that you really need so wow. I, hmm? that's cool yeah that's <laughs> i need cool. to see this yeah uh so it's if you google search tracy parish zeef z-e-e-f z-e-f okay and so what she's done is she's got hundreds and hundreds of resources on there. So it's things like free images, free AI created human beings so that you don't have any copyright issues, so cool. authoring tools, uh, project management tools, 
free video resources, free graphic resources, accessibility insights. She's done an incredible, credible job. And uh, it's pretty much the first resource that I always provide to people. I think in addition to this, also check out, so the Learning and Development Podcast with David James. Okay. I think the most pivotal episodes for me, so Nigel Payne, Nick Shackleton-Jones, Adam Harwood, which I previously mentioned, yeah. Danny Seals. Nice. For me, those really resonated with me and really started to shape the way that I was looking at learning and learning experiences and also corporates. Yeah, it really started to shape. I think also checking out Learning Now Radio, uh, there was an episode, and it's forever ago, with Ken Murray on storytelling. Storytelling is not just about fantasies. It's about how do we actually engross people and how do we pull on those emotional muscles? Mm. It's really incredibly interesting. Also check out Learning Now TV. I appear there on a monthly slot now. Mm. So providing value through that, but also I'm accompanied by some incredible people. You have people like David Perrin, Kate Graham, you know, just providing so, so much value on there. Yeah, so I think cool. those me at this beginning, yeah, definitely check them out. Love it. Okay, what's a challenge that I'm likely to face as an instructional designer and how would I resolve it? Just one challenge? Uh, how much time? <laughs> uh, if you've got a couple. <laughs> okay, I think... Um, yeah, okay. whatever comes to your mind. Yeah, I think the biggest one is... For a long time, learning and development hasn't been seen as a crucial part of businesses because it doesn't provide, doesn't traditionally provide a profit, you know, a real tangible profit. I think it's really about how can you look at the solution that you're providing, talking to your stakeholders and also understanding from the higher powers, so your C-suite, as to what really needs to happen within the organization. What could you provide a positive impact on and how could you provide a solution that would tangibly provide a result. Mm. I think in addition to this also, you have to know that projects will not always go to plan and being okay with that. So subject matter experts might not be available. They might go missing. They <laughs> might work there anymore. Yeah. So it's being able to be flexible with that information. Also making sure that you distill that information into need to know rather than nice to know. Mm. With subject matter experts, they are passionate about their subject. And so it's really trying to distill that and understand from them, okay, you want everybody to know this, but if you're starting out in this position, what are the really need to know bits of information mm. from that? Distill that down and then work with that. So it's really, you know, trying to break this down. Also, being strong in your ideas, okay? Having confidence in your abilities, okay? talking to others, understanding what has worked with them, what's not with them, how you can really evolve your craft into something that's going to work and that your confidence talk about those ideas with people. So I think, yeah, I would say in a snapshot, you know, at a really high level, those are going to be your biggest ones. Yeah, nice. That's interesting, the last thing you said, because sometimes I struggle. I feel like I've got the knowledge and I'm sure there'd be other people listening or watching, to, uh, watching this video would be similar. I've got the knowledge and the advice, but sometimes the confidence part lacks. And I'd love to know from you, because it's something I recognize in you, the way you explain things and speak, you do it very confidently. And it's like, 
convincing almost like you, you you seem you are like really authentic but it comes across like so well and I'm just wondering what did you do to gain that confidence or is it something that you've always had so it's a combination of really researching a lot of different aspects of learning so understanding case studies from different people what's worked what's not worked yeah. but it's also being humble enough in the very beginning to take a verbal punch in the mouth <laughs> okay being really open to finding out what works okay because mm. you're going to create stuff that doesn't work i've done it and i've had to make it better and you learn from that yeah okay? so being open to full on being verbally punched in the mouth being told you're wrong and yeah. then learn from it. have that as a learning process and make sure that you know that for the future so going out there understanding what other people are saying taking that on board making it your own putting it into your own words that it makes sense and that you can also deliver on that yeah so that's the biggest yeah love it do you feel like you've begun to be okay with failure yeah you, you have to be failure now yeah okay that's really i cool. don't like it <laughs> I don't like it, but, but you're it's... like you're going to accept it and know that it's a part of life, <laughs> what you do. Exactly. You're yeah. going to go right. That was sucky, but what am I going to do now to make that right? And what do I know for next time? Yeah, I love it. It doesn't happen. So it's things such as quality assurance. Mm. Before I joined virtual college a long time ago. I'd never thought of quality assurance. It wasn't something that we talked about. And so things would happen. You know, you'd send out a batch of courses and things would go wrong. Okay, so then you start thinking, right, how do I do this as a process? And you start putting together a mild process. Then you go to an organization that has it at their core. And then you realize, should have been doing that all along. Should have had yeah. different phases of quality assurance. Proofreaders could have used Grammarly. And so you learn from that failure. Yeah, it's like improving your process, isn't it? Every time there's a failure, it just takes you to the next level because you improve your process so it doesn't happen next time and every single project you get better and better. Yep. Yeah, it's a cool That's mindset awesome. to have, I think. Especially yeah, now, I mean, like we need to be learners and we need to be okay with getting things wrong because often our learners might get things wrong too and we need to be okay with that as well. Yeah, and also don't be romantic about what you create. Mm, and that's the thing. You know, we can become so precious it can become our baby of what we've actually created but the fact is that's your opinion as long as you can back it up where you've got to be able to flex you've got to give the people what they want yeah love it very cool okay so as an instructional designer how do i avoid being an order taker and become more trusted and respected for my advice so I think it is very much you doing that research piece in the beginning as to what is out there in the world, what could be applicable, and also what can you do with the tools that you have, and mm -hmm. also what are the workarounds with the tools that you have. So what are people experiencing? What are the payoffs? What's the ROI that they're seeing? How could that be integrated? And then putting forward those things. Yeah. Another thing is you are not guaranteed that that's going to work mm. right? because the fact is that the person that you're selling that to might not be open to sell. You can't sell to somebody who doesn't want to be sold to. Mm. 
Okay. So then it is this thing of you building up your craft, building up your craft. And if that position is not going to be right for you long-term, then you build yourself up to a position whereby you can move, mm. which is a weird angle to really look at that. What you do from being an order taker. But the fact is there's a lot, lots of organizations that would appreciate somebody who has vision. Mm. And unfortunately you have an organization that will not open their mind, will not be sold to. That is going to be frustrating. That is going to be demoralizing. Mm. And especially during these times when mental health is mm. crucial, it's how do you think long-term gains? So, right, I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to learn my craft. I'm going to hone my craft. I'm going to talk to as many people as possible. I'm going to find out what they're doing, what could be done. And then I'm going to develop myself because then I'm going to look for 2021. I'm going to shift on somewhere that's going to appreciate the value that I'm going to bring. Yeah, I love that. That's really cool. I think it is so important to be in an organization that enables you to have that creativity sort of freedom. And if for some people it's freelancing, so if it doesn't work for them to be told how to do things, if you feel like you've got a process that you know works and you have the confidence to be able to explain that to clients and do that, I think freelancing is a really great option. I know there's a lot of other things to consider when it comes to freelancing and you've done it before, haven't you, John? I have, and I look yeah. after here at Jampan, I look at uh, a thousand freelancers. Oh, wow. So, you know, yeah. looking at, you know, people who are brand new to freelancing, but also people who are very established. And the thing that they talk about is, you know, being able to provide that creative impetus to organizations yeah. that are more open. They're looking for that outside point of view. And that's one of the main benefits. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's bringing that. So, yeah. That's my thinking. Okay, three questions left, John. You're doing very well. I'm very impressed. What career options do I have as an instructional designer? Tons. Let's rock and roll through them. So you can, if you have a love for learning experience platforms, learning management systems, then there is the ability to be in there. So you could be a content creator, curator, Okay, this is something that we're starting to see, you know, whereby organizations have connections through to Udemy Business, LinkedIn Learning. So you're starting to create playlists. So really filtering that content, what's right for our people. Also an extension of that is community managers. This is something that we're seeing with big organizations, especially here at Jampan, whereby we provide community managers who look at the whole spectrum of learning, looking at what are people talking about. So it's keeping that learning experience going. So where are the touch points? Where do we need to reignite the conversations? But also, where do they maybe need a refresher? Where do we need to pull from our existing content? Where do we need to get something from externally to keep mm -hmm. that going? So really listening to what's going on. Learning experience designer is a natural evolution that we're seeing. And it's really people looking at that bigger sphere of learning. So rather than it just being, I'm going to create a singular course that's going to go in here. It's what's the experience? How is that in the massive flow of work for people? How are people going to be able to get information when they need it? You know, it's something that really is starting to become more and more prominent. And I think for a really great reason. Mm. So I think those are really coming to play. Once again, I super, super recommend checking out marketing. So Ashley Sinclair, who runs Mass, so M-A-A-S Marketing, that is a marketing company dedicated for L&D. So it looks at 
campaigns how do we do this and she creates some great resources on that also on jampan we recently collaborated with laurie nels hoffman to really explore the learning experience design so how does somebody get into learning experience design and how do they expand and she provided a ton of great resources i was there you know playing your role questioning Aww. her yeah it was incredible so on jampan uh in our blog section i believe it's called enter the learning experience designer and no. I think that is a really good area to look at that evolution into it. Yeah, cool. So I think those are, at the moment, those are the biggest areas that I'm seeing people being able to evolve into. Very cool. That will also be in the resources, everyone who's watching. Tons of resources. Can check it out. Yeah, it's going to be a long resource list, 100%. Okay, <laughs> what have you learned in 2020 that you could share that would help me to become a better instructional designer? 2020. 2020. I think. Sorry. 2020. It's been a great year. 2020. Not really, but. <laughs> sucky. Well, in many ways, it's a sucky year, but in other ways, it's been a great year. Yeah. So, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is how open people are to talking and sharing value. Mm. Okay. So with. So I created One Tip Wednesday. So hashtag One Tip Wednesday on LinkedIn. So this is something whereby an individual gives a tip and then nominates two people. Very much inspired by the Ice Bucket Challenge, but it's very much centered around we all have incredible information that we want to provide, but we need something unique. We like uniqueness. Mm. And so that really filtered into that. It had such people such as Carl Kopp, just the godfather of Legends. gamification. Yeah. Lauren Niles Hoffman, David James, Cara North, you know, amazing individuals, giving them one tip, nominating two people. Yeah. No price associated to that, just for the love of what we do. Then in addition to this, the L&D Global Zoom Meetup has welcomed over 500 people from all corners of the globe. People have made friends. People are physically in the countries where they can actually having coffee with each other. Oh, cute. That's cool. So we're really starting to see that how open the L&D industry is to helping each other. I think that's the biggest thing is if you're a new instructional designer, you can feel quite alone. You might be hanging out on Articulate Heroes website. The biggest thing is talk to people, talk to people, reach out to them. What's their origin story? That's another one is it's very, very rare that you're going to find somebody who as a child thought I'm going to make online learning we've all kind of gone into this in our own little directions and so it's really about how can you get information from other people but also how can you provide value to them as well mm. how can you look over what they're doing and give them a helpful critique from a learner's point of view you know how can you be an ear to them when they're having a bad day so it's not just one-way traffic it's that it's that two-way love that Love it. Awesome answer. Okay. Last question, John, if I want to reach my absolute potential, so the best that I can be as an instructional designer, what should I do? Goodness. Um, okay. It's a cheap answer, but we'll expand on it. Okay. Go through all the resources that have been mentioned in this session. I like that take on board all the answers 
because they come from about 12 years of ups and downs, going through battles. You know, there are battle scars within there. But also, I think the biggest thing for me is be inspired. Okay. So look at who's doing great things and don't beat yourself up thinking, I'm not, you know, that's not me. I can't do that. It's, I love what they do. How can I make that happen? Yeah. Because I speak to a lot of people and there are people who are, oh, I'm starting now, but we don't have budgets. We can't do this. Okay, so you're saying that you can't create a great learning experience with the tools that you have. You have MS Teams, okay? You can utilize that to provide bite-sized learning at the point of need. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, there's no good e-learning out there. My word, look at what Kath Ellis is doing. Mm. How can you be inspired by that? She created a podcast-driven anti-money laundering course, which is one of the most bonkers, amazing ideas be inspired, you know, look at what other people are doing, you know, and don't beat yourself up too much. It's not that you are good, bad. It's you getting there. Yeah. That's the big thing. So take on board all this stuff about learning experience design. You know, if you're just starting out, understand it's going to take time. It's taken me like 12 years. You know, and I'm not even at my best yet. So it's, you know, it's a process. Love it. Everyone listening or watching, I really hope that you listen to that very carefully because John is so right. It's three years of experience that he's experienced ups and downs and he's giving you advice that I know will bring a lot of value to your life. So if you need to go back and listen to it again, please do because that is epic. I think mindset is so important and that was a big part of what you're speaking about. So thank you, John, as your mentee for this video. And on behalf of our community, thank you so much for being here and answering our frequently asked questions. You are an absolute legend. I'm super inspired by you. Is there anything else you would like to leave us with? And potentially, how can people get into contact with you? Uh, I think in terms of things to leave you with, obviously 2020 is such a bizarre year. I think the biggest thing is be kind to yourself, be kind to each other. It's the biggest thing. We're all in this together. No matter where you are in the world, it's really about how can you provide some sort of positive impact. And it doesn't even have to be huge things. You know, it's just being an ear for somebody. It's a helping hand where you can be open because it's really weird that you do nice things, nice things happen to you. <laughs> so that's the biggest thing. If you ever want to reach me, then you can pretty much find me living on LinkedIn, that is John Hinchliffe, H-I-N-C-H-L-I-F-F-E, because a large number of people spell my name wrong. So you can find me there. Also, you can find me at Jampans, that's jam-pan.com. And there we take care of freelancers and bring them together with incredible clients and really bringing together a holistic approach to that whole thing. So um, yeah, very proud to be there, very proud to help out people. But um, yeah, that's pretty much me. Thanks for everyone for watching or listening. And thank you again, John, for being on the show. My pleasure.